Welcome to... Hey, Great Shot. This is the Great Shot Podcast, a Crack Rackets and Tennis Channel Podcast Network production. My name is Alex Gruskin. Look, listeners, we are well aware of the fact that there is so much professional tennis going on this week. We've got three ATP events, three WTA events, countless other ITF and Challenger tournaments for us to monitor. But that doesn't mean we aren't going to make some time in our schedule for the college tennis world. The 2021 ITA season rocking and rolling ahead. Of course, we've got the Division One Women's National Indoors this weekend in Stillwater. Our Crack Rackets team so excited to be heading there to cover all of the action. And of course, on tomorrow's Great Shot podcast, I will be joined by the GOAT, Colette Lewis, to preview that event, talk a little bit about what we expect to see unfold on the court. But of course, we had a fantastic weekend of men's college tennis this past weekend that we want to break down. We also want to release our brand new Crack Rackets Top 10 poll now that we have a couple of weeks of play under our belts and joining me to do all of that as they always do whenever we talk college tennis here at Cracked Rackets, the other members of our college tennis holy trinity. Let's start where we always start. You know him as your favorite writer on our website, CrackedRackets.com, a former four-star recruit on TennisRecruiting.net, and of course, the other half of Nick's Matt the Crack, of Nick Stokowiak. It's Matt the Crack Stokowiak. I'm mixing them up at this point. Maddie, hey, great shot as always. How are you feeling after this weekend? Yeah, man. I'm I, look after this past weekend. I'm about ready for another weekend. Uh, if we can get that kind of tennis each and every weekend here, um, I mean, this is what we wanted, right? I mean, we've been waiting months for the college tennis season to start. Now we're in full swing. Everybody's playing, and and we had some awesome matches. So um, I'm already looking forward to the next one. I don't know if it's called. I, I think it's Lindstrom, maybe the indoor facility at Georgia, and our other guests can correct me if I'm wrong. Whatever the name of the indoor facility, I think I spent 12 hours there this weekend between the UNC Georgia women's match, between the Georgia NC State men's match. I parked myself in that live stream. So, of course, it really was a phenomenal weekend of college tennis all the way around. And joining us to tell us the things we're wrong about, as he so often does, you know him as the forefather of the college tennis ranks formula predictions, never far from the listed UTR, one of the many dames to root for the Liberty Flames, lover of mothers, lover of almond joys, the snitch, the professor, the one-armed designer, he quotes Henry Ford, and, of course, the newest sales rep for the Tennessee men tennis team it's Chris Hallioris Chris hey great shot as always how are you feeling I'm feeling great I mean a great weekend of tennis uh you know not nothing but uh, but good news so far no big cancellations not, and nothing of the sort so it's uh it's good to get the season going Oh, absolutely. It feels so nice to have a constant schedule. And you mentioned it there, Chris. I'm glad you bring that up. We know there are going to be cancellations. We know there are going to be players missing from dual matches, and there are going to be funky results during 2021. We've already seen a bunch of them unfold. But we get to see tennis unfold on the court as well, and that is something all three of us, and I know all of the fans listening to this podcast, are so excited for as well. Now, I kind of want to throw a Tim Wakefield, R.A. Dickey knuckleball at you guys and ask us to do our top 10 polls first, because I know some of our listeners are anxious for that. 
But I think all three of us still need a little bit of time to ruminate, to talk things through, maybe make some on-the-fly adjustments. So if you will allow us that, listeners, we are going to save our new Cracked Rackets Top 10 poll for the end of this podcast and start, of course, with a discussion on all of the things hap- or all of the things that happened this past weekend. Now, I'm not going to give the full plug here because our GSP Ace of the Day segments are back thanks to our friends at DraftKings. If you want to hear more about the professional tennis action going on and how you can start playing along and take advantage of DraftKings' limited offer for you Cracked Rackets fans, go check out our GSP Ace of the Day segments each and every afternoon. We're releasing them in the afternoon because, of course, the play down under starting in the afternoon on the East Coast and into the evening, late into the night. But again, all of that covered on our GSP Ace of the Day and, of course, our mini-break podcast With that in mind, something I've been saving for this GSP not covering on the mini break is, of course, again, those fantastic results we saw this past weekend. So with that in mind, let's chat a little bit about it. And I think the place we have to start, fellas, is, of course, down in Texas where we had... I don't know if it's quite an upset. I really don't know what to categorize these things as anymore, fellas, because you talk about all of these teams, where they're at entering the season. There are a lot of newcomers. There are a lot of teams still trying to work stuff out, yada, yada, yada. But we had a result on our hands, folks. TCU goes to Waco, knocks off the Baylor Bears 4-1. Maddie, they didn't just win this match. They won it after dropping the doubles point. They won a bunch of three-set singles matches. They won at the top two singles positions. I mean, I want to give you the floor first because obviously this result means a little bit something to you. Does this result have more to do with Baylor or more to do with TCU? I think more to do with TCU. I think TCU's legit. I mean, they proved it here. We haven't even seen Jake Fernley yet this year. These guys are good. And again, you know, I always talk, you know, I got to see them, TCU, every year. I always downplay them a little bit. But, I mean, this is the kind of result early in the season because, again, at kickoff weekend, I didn't really know. Again, they played Denver. They played Oklahoma. They got through easy. But I wanted to see him tested and obviously on the road in Waco against Baylor, this Baylor team. I mean, that's really as big of a test as you can get. And, you know, again, they drop the doubles point and you're thinking, okay, they're not winning four singles matches here, but it's funny guys, this TCU team, as opposed to previous past TCU squads, this one really seems like well-suited for indoor play. I mean, guys mm-hmm. like Luke Famba, Alistair Gray, I mean, they were tremendous. I mean, Sander. just banging the ball. Sander, all of these guys, really almost their whole team. Maybe you look at Parallax, a guy, you know, maybe Juan Martin, and you think, okay, they're going to be a little bit better outdoors. But most of this team is really well suited for indoor play, which is, I think, one of the reasons why Coach Rodidi elected to play the kickoff weekend indoors in Fort Worth. They showed that they're legit. I mean, I just, I feel like they they wanted this win a little bit more, I think, than Baylor did. And don't get me wrong, guys. Baylor played a match in Austin just the day before. I think there may have been a little bit of fatigue that crept in. I don't know, a little complacency there, but... I mean, look, TCU's legit, and for Baylor, you know, no big deal. I mean, it's an early season match. They're going to play TCU again probably multiple times. So, I mean, it's not the end of the world. But hopefully they learn something from this and they realize, okay, if we're going to play with these top teams, the UNCs, the USCs, the TCUs, 
we're going to have to bring our best tennis because if we don't, we'll go down. Yeah, and I appreciate you adding that piece of context to that as well, and we'll talk about it in a little bit. It is worth noting, Baylor, the day before, goes to Austin, beats Texas in what was a physical, physical match. I know it says 4-1 on the score lines, but I believe two, maybe three, I think three of the matches had entered a third set. Of course, Texas took the doubles point from Baylor the day before. And look, I had the chance to speak with Coach Woodson and he made very clear, I wouldn't put my team in this sort of position if I didn't think this sort of experience would help them. And he, I think, made the comment of, you know, you don't, you know, the point of losing is to learn things. If we never lose, how are we going to learn? And my argument to that is, well, plenty of teams have gone undefeated and they seem to learn plenty, but you know, that's obviously a luxury. And I, I, you look at these teams, it's almost, you know, Chris, it's almost, they look in a mirror and they see one another. When you look at the top threes for both Baylor and TCU, you think to yourself, I like it. I don't love it. When you look at the bottom three, obviously for Baylor, you love it. And when you look at TCU, honestly, compared to the other teams across the country, you probably at a minimum really, really like it. But for Baylor to take the doubles point in this match, Chris, at the two and three position, their depth shining through and then drop five first sets in singles. I, I mean, to Matt's point, I know Famba, Gray, Jong, four first sets in singles. I got that incorrect. You're right. I think it was four first sets. But four first sets in singles. And then, what was it four? I see only Paralek lost the first set. Did Furman win the first set and it's just scored incorrectly here? That was the one I'm screwing up here. I apologize. Okay, thank you for the finger pointing. To those of you who can't see this, Maddie directing me in the background. Shout out to you, Maddie. But Chris, not to get lost here again. To Matt's point, indoors, this TCU team can absolutely fight. But to see them take one, two, three, and five, again, I want to pose that same question to you. Does this tell you more about TCU or does this tell you more about Baylor? Uh, TCU, for sure. I mean, I I don't, I, I didn't learn much about Baylor here other than they're not going undefeated. Uh, <laughs> I mean, we, we know they're good. I, they, they may lose a couple more during the year, given the schedule they play. They probably won't sweep indoors, but they, you know, and that's even assuming they get by A&M. Uh, but uh, yeah, we know they're good. They'll be around. This, this tells us for sure that a team like TCU can play with anybody, especially indoors, uh, like Maddie said. And we said all along, right, that if you're going to beat this Baylor team, one, two, and three is where you got to, you, you have to take advantage up there. We didn't expect that you're going to be able to do it when losing doubles and then have to take one, two, three, and still find another one. And in this case, it happened to just be Charlie Broom. And I, and Charlie just wasn't, I mean, I, I didn't see all the match. I saw the end of the match. I, I, he, maybe he was gassed. Maybe he's just not playing well. He wasn't on his game. Right. And he, mm-hmm. you know, he did not have his a game with him and, and he lost. And that's going to happen to any player on any given day. And they caught him on the day it happened. And then they won at one, two, and three. And like, they're suited. I mean, Famba, Boyton, they both hit bombs. Gray hits the ball a little harder than Soto. Sander hits the ball a little harder than Sven. I mean, they're, they on the indoor courts probably, if they're on their games, have the advantage up top. And they took advantage of that and closed out all three of those matches and did what they had to do and found one more. And, you know, it looks like 4-1, but they were down breaks on the two remaining courts. So, you know, that was looking like it was headed for a 4-3 match if Paralek didn't close that out 6-4 in the third. Yeah, and to your point, TCU had to run an inside straight to win this match after dropping doubles. But guess what? They did. 
And not every team in the country can do that. So just by virtue of proving you can do it once, that's obviously a huge confidence boost for this TCU team. And look, Chris, you and I were joking about this off mic. You could see the excitement in Coach Roditi's face. You know, he's doing the match video on the Baylor courts, the BU in the background. He was loving himself. He was absolutely in his element. Deservedly so, by the way, because this is an incredible win. But Maddie, to Chris's point, top three. You know, they win only one set in those top three courts. You look at the team of Fronson and Law. Losses to Texas, losses to TCU, losses to Michigan. Those are all good teams. But that's the former number one team in the country, right? They're number 10 right now in the year. And I know Baylor still put uh, took the doubles point today, but you saw Sven, you know, drop his first set and end up losing in three. Really struggle there as well. Your thoughts, again, where Baylor goes from here. Obviously, they've got Texas A&M coming up, so there's no rest for the weary, but your thoughts on on how Baylor reacts to this loss. Oh, they're going to be fine. I mean, they're not going to react negatively. It's it's all going to be positive. You know, I, I was thinking about this as well, the doubles. I mean, we expected a lot out of Sven and Connie, and, and they just... They haven't played up to their potential yet for whatever reason. I I don't know exactly why, but they're just not quite clicking. I mean, Connie wasn't here in the fall. Sven was, so they didn't play any fall matches together. They kind of just jumped right in in January and kind of got thrown into the fire when you're playing number one. You're playing all of these teams, and it's going to be tough, and they have struggled there will be a point, hopefully sooner rather than later, that they turn that around and they start playing their game because really – Number three doubles for Baylor hasn't lost. Matias and Charlie have been fantastic. Nick and Adrian have been solid. They've clinched when they've needed to. But there will be a time where it's really important that Sven and Connie come through. I believe they will. Yeah. The top guys in singles. Well, quickly, just to your point on Sven, he's just not playing well right now. And right. that happens. Like you're, He has earned the benefit of the doubt. But I think it is fair to also say he's just not playing his best right now. Exactly. I I couldn't agree more. I mean, we know what he's capable of. He hasn't gotten there yet. The beauty of this is there's such a long season ahead. We know he's he's the type of player that's going to find it. It's just a matter of if or uh, when, not if. We know he's going to find his game. So I'm not worried about him. Matias Soto, I know we dropped the match to, to Alistair, but look, Matias has been playing phenomenal tennis. The way that he played against Andre Styler at Michigan, the way that he took out Elliott Spaziri at Texas, I'm giving him a pass here, okay? Alistair played unbelievable tennis. He was awesome. Credit to him. Hats off. On to the next one. Adrian, look, he's... He split a bunch of matches. He's playing the top guys. We know he's got that big game. You know, he's going to get his fair share of wins. You know, I just, I hope that again, it can come sooner rather than later. Because really all those guys have to do is just win, you know, a, a fair share of their matches in the top of the lineup. And the guys down low will take care of the rest. Yeah, I, I think these are all fair points. Again, the thing that maybe made me most frustrated throughout the course of this entire weekend, and you know, other than the fact that you're also right, Charlie Broom did not play his best against TCU. If I have to watch him miss another backhand in the net, I will get frustrated with myself. And by the way, this is not, again, trying to take any credit away from TCU. I hope you heard the first half of this segment, which is us raving about what this says about this TCU team. But the thing that made me most frustrated, Maddie is I was so ready to come on this podcast today with all of the fluctuations in the top 10 and say, 
I have Baylor as my number one team entering this weekend, entering the national indoors. And the thing that pissed me off, Chris Haliorce goes ahead and predicts it out on Twitter. He goes, you know, I bet Gruskin was ready to say Baylor's going to be number one in the world. So if you're predicting me when I'm trying to be unpredictable, expect me to zig back to my zag and go really conventional for these next few months, Chris, because I got to get you off my tail. <laughs> yeah, I I just there was I knew that was coming and and you know truth be told what what the listeners don't know is you, there was some foreshadowing went on uh, on some point over the weekend you texted Maddie and I with I've got a really spicy take for my hot takes or something <laughs> like that and as soon as I saw that I said oh Baylor's number one that's it <laughs> well. You know, again, I'm just really trying to provide entertainment for you both. But again, you know, when you look at this match, and as you mentioned, the victories, Famba, 5-3 and three over Boitan, Gray, 0-4 over Soto, uh, Jong, 6-3, 3-6-6-1 over Svenla, and then it was Paralek, 2-6, 6-2, over Charlie Broom in the other matches. Baylor led uh, when things stopped. Chris, you look at, again, what this recipe for TCU was, their success in singles, their success in doubles. Can they win the national indoors? Uh, If they play like that, yeah. Yeah. It's that simple? I mean, I don't—I think it's going to be really hard for Luke Famba to beat, like, Will Blumberg or Daniel Kukerman. But once you get past that, can Alistair Gray— beat whoever they put it to yeah can he beat riley smith or you know that's who it's going to be clearly yeah i mean those are the two teams we have to figure are the odds on favorites right or usc north carolina so that's why i'm comparing against them um you know the way sander john's been playing i don't he could beat anybody i'm i wouldn't be surprised to see him play in two i I mean he hasn't i don't know that he's lost a match and he's looked great um so yeah i mean it's I, I think it's it's very possible. I'd love to see Jake Fernley back. I don't think that's going to happen yet. Um, but uh, but yeah, that I, I definitely would not count them out. I'm not going to favor them over USC or North Carolina. But would I be completely shocked if they beat them? Nah, not terribly. Yeah, no, they're in the ball game for sure. And I was talking about this with you earlier today, Chris. Alistair Gray is in the conversation with any other player as the best two singles player in the country. He is legitimately that good. And I don't know if he'll stay on top of Famba for the entire year, or I should say behind Famba in the lineup. But if he does, uh, I mean, TCU can win at every singles flight on the right day. And just uh, you want as many paths to four points as possible if you're a head coach. Uh, TCU head coach David Rodidi, plenty of paths to four points. Now, of course, for Baylor, yes, they lost this one, but they did get a win the day prior in Austin, as we mentioned earlier, the Bears going to Austin, knocking off Texas. You look at the wins they were able to compile in that match for Baylor. Drop the doubles point after they lose at the number one and two positions. Of course, the transitive properties after that. Florida loses the doubles point to Arizona. But then beats Texas, who then beats Baylor, who's beaten Michigan. My head hurts already. Nevertheless, Texas takes a 1-0 lead. And honestly, they kept this match really, really close. We had our group chat going this weekend. I texted you, Chris Hallior, saying this. I, I What did I say? Did I say it's a threat? Did I say things getting serious? You, you said I don't Texas remember. was in serious trouble. 
Yeah, I know. I said Baylor. Or, was or Baylor, in, yeah, I'm Baylor sorry, was, was in serious, in serious trouble. trouble, and you, of course, were like, "Well, actually, Henry Ford II said that Sirius is defined as the piston with the automobile, <laughs> and you know, whatever it is you say, you know, that's not serious." Uh, but <laughs> uh, sorry. By the way, that's not what you sound like. I just that's what I want to do as my impression of you. That's what I hear in my head. It's a compliment. I like it. Yeah. Okay, good. I do my mom's voice sometimes in front of her and she goes, Alex, that's not what I sound like. I'm like, yes, that is. That's what I hear though. She's like, Alex, stop it. I'm like, I know, I know. I'm going to get in trouble. Uh, Anyways, anyways, anyways. I like that. I sound like Jimmy Neutron in your head. (laughs) Brain blast. Um, (laughs) Yeah. Anyways, anyways, uh, for Baylor, they they drop the doubles point, but they get wins, of course, from the four, five, six singles position. And then Matthias Soto, actually, I believe the first one on the court for them as he knocked off Elliot Spaziri, six, four, six, two. Of course, you look for silver linings for Texas. Charlie Broom, Chi-Chi Huang, that was a three-set match at five singles. Lon, Micah Braswell at three, go three sets. Boytan and Waldeeb at number one, go three sets. And, you know, again, Spencer Furman needed a tiebreaker in that second set to take it over McDonald. I'll go to you first this time, Chris. Your thoughts on this result for Baylor, obviously, but, you know, since we've talked about them, for Texas as well. They beat Florida. They play Baylor not to a draw, but about as well as you can hope to play them this early in the season with such a young team. You got to be feeling good if you're Coach Burke. Yeah, I, I, you know, early to midway through the second set, I was probably feeling much better. Uh, I mean, they were up. I don't. I think it was Braswell, Chichi, and even McDonald all like break advantages uh, and look like they probably should have been able to do something with them that they just they they couldn't. But but yeah, they. I mean, they they looked like they were right there and they were, they were in the match and they took the doubles point. So you, obviously they're still not happy losing the match because they think they can win. Um, they're, they're going to be underdogs every time they play Baylor, but yeah, I I'm, I'm encouraged for them by, you know, the way they played that match made it look like it was, it was no, Hey, we had the match of our lives upset when we beat Florida. They're, they're for real. They're a good team. Uh, so, so very impressed with them. And really for Baylor, more of the same, exactly what we said, right? They win at four, five, six. We're going to hear that all year long. They win at four, five, six. So how do you beat them? You take doubles uh, and you take one, two, three, or, you know, you have to steal one of four, five, six, but getting much more than one of them, will be a, a, you know, a a real feat. So, so yeah, Baylor did what they needed to do. Uh, They made it a little difficult, obviously, you know, uh, Charlie had to go three sets and maybe that played into a little of what happened the next day. Don't know. Uh, Boyton and Waldi were in a third, uh, Braswell and Law in a third. So a very, very tight match. Another, obviously, could have been another 4-3 match. Yeah. No, I mean, I think that is maybe – oh, we'll talk about Wake Forest in a little bit in this podcast. But maybe the thing we missed most this offseason is we underrated Texas. I mean, this Texas team, they're good. Like, if you see this Texas team in the quarterfinals, it would be surprising, but not shocking. It wouldn't be shocking because it means they upset a team that they're just as good as. And, I mean, they're in the mix now. Yeah, they beat that Florida team, and they followed up with this result, perhaps most impressively for them, to play such a physical match, lose it, but then be able to bounce back the next day, beat Arizona State, who's, you know, sneaky good team. They've got really good depth. Nate Ponwith's my age, and he's still playing college tennis, and, you know, for Texas, again, 4-3 to get that win, uh, to uh, drop the doubles point, but then find four singles victories. That's obviously a big deal for them, and I just 
I really think, you know, we talked about it in the offseason. Okay, TCU's going to give Baylor a run for their money, and we said it wouldn't shock us if TCU beats Baylor at least once this season and Baylor doesn't run the table in the Big 12. Now it wouldn't shock me. I'm not saying they're going to lose five matches, but if they lose another one in Big 12 play, it's not going to shock me because, okay, State and Texas, and then, of course, you got to go travel to Texas Tech, all these different teams. Oklahoma looks frisky. This conference is loaded, Maddie. It's a great conference. I mean, but it always is, right? Historically, we've always said, like, the six teams in the conference are almost always ranked in the top 25. There's no passes. I mean, you don't get a freebie, you know, look— Boston College, look, God bless them. But when they play in the ACC, it's a freebie. You see that on the schedule. And I just remember over the last four years, you know, at Duke. Okay, well, just mark that one off. We got to win there. You know, everybody kind of looks at that as a freebie. You don't get that in the Big 12. All of these teams are legit. And I agree. I mean, Texas, we underrated them a little bit. They're they're a very good team. They are a very, very good team. Um, better than what I thought they were going to be. And it's going to be fun to follow them uh, throughout the rest of this season. Again, I, I don't know if they're going to finish at that upper echelon, top five, top eight. Maybe they do crack that quarterfinal. I still wouldn't put them there, uh, but it'll be close. I mean, they're going to be knocking on the door, and they they can compete with anybody. So let's see how they do at indoors. And I think this continues to solidify, and that's a good point, by the way, as well, Maddie. This team's going to get another shot to take a swing at the big wigs at the national indoors, but it confirms the fact that we really like this Texas team in 2022, 2023. Now we maybe really, really like them, assuming all of the guys stay put in Austin. But yeah, I mean, Chris, you know, again, for Baylor, good win for them to get that under their belts. And I'm sure that might help them come national indoor seeding. But uh, for this Texas team as well, the 4-3 win over Arizona State. Curious what you thought about that one. Uh, curious what you think about this Arizona State team. Yeah, Texas got, I mean, they escaped there, right? Arizona State is I they're the enigma that Arizona State has been for the last several years I mean they've got some players on the team that on any given given day you go wow I mean there's some good talent there but they're just not a team if you will that you 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 don't get you're not scared of the team you might be scared of some individual matchups um and so it's really hard to figure them out and they 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 did that just in the past week they go and they themselves escape with a 4-3 win over FAU uh and then they go to Texas and play like they did there and really had Texas on their heels so that's one where you know that's where I get a little concerned for Texas in that they stepped up maybe in some of the bigger matches and played well but they they let up a little bit probably uh in that one but again it, it's hard to figure there's a lot of talent on that Arizona State team they just never seem to put it together but I think that's a little you know a little concerning and Arizona, I don't see Arizona State necessarily in, until they can prove otherwise doing a whole lot more than they've done the last couple of years and that is you know some really good matches and probably some real duds could they beat UCLA uh sure oh they could yeah I mean so they've got the talent to do it and and they will they're going to pull off a match or two that you're that they're not supposed to win just because they've got the talent but then they're going to go and at least they didn't drop the match to FAU but they're going to play those matches like they played with FAU where you go how did they go 4-3 with Florida Atlantic and then you know turn around and beat so and so out of the Pac-12 and and you're going to go yeah huh, go figure and that's just the way it's going to be with them
<laughs> no, that's half the fun again of college tennis. They've been an enigma ever since Steinberg decided to stay in Ann Arbor. Uh, but of course, we look forward to seeing uh, the Sun Devils compete throughout the season. Well, with that in mind, let's move now to our next 4-3 battle. And I apologize, Maddie, if I cut you off. If you have any final Arizona State thoughts, feel free to, free to throw them in here. But I know you were locked in. Chris was locked in. All of us were locked in to the drama in Athens, Georgia, as the University of Georgia knocks off NC State 4-3. They survive dropping the doubles point and get four singles wins from uh, Tyler Zink at three singles, Blake Kreuter at four singles, Trent Bride 7-5 in the third over Alexis Galarno at one, and then, of course, it was Billy Rowe clinching the match 7-5 in the third for the Dogs over Robbie Terzak. Start with you, Maddie. You're our ACC correspondent. ACC alphabetically comes before SEC. I apologize, Chris, for that. But we'll start with you here. Your thoughts on this win for this young Georgia team. Oh, unbelievable match here, guys. I mean, this one I was glued the entire day. Fantastic dual match. And really, believe it or not, guys, I came out of this one encouraged for both teams. I really did. Um, For NC State... I mean, they take the doubles point, which we expect them to be good at doubles. Um, But again, against a team like Georgia, who we expect to be ranked very highly throughout the season, uh, good result to take that doubles point. And really, they even switched up their teams. We saw Robin Catry play up at number one doubles with Tadas Babelis. That's a new pairing. Usually it's Babelis Barkai at that number one position seemed to work out pretty well. Um, So that was good. You know, where NC State is really going to look back on this one, I mean, it's it's a Lexi, right? I mean, that's a match that I think all three of us probably would have expected him to beat Trent Bride. Trent Bride, very good player. But Alexi, when he's dialed in, is is on another level. And I think the fact that this was a 4-3 result that came down to the end, Alexi just had to be kicking himself going, oh my God, all I needed to do was beat Trent and then we win that match, steal it on the road at Georgia. So I know he was bummed about it, but still encouraged. I mean, you look at Izquierdo, court number two, I thought there was no way he's going to take out Phil Henning. That just shouldn't happen. I mean, based on Izquierdo's results recently, that was kind of a shocker for me. I mean, you look at Katri again, that's a guy that Coach Kyle Spencer had told us about, guys. Earlier this season, he said, hey, I want you to watch Robin Katri a little bit lower in the lineup. He's going to be a gamer. He showed up this year. I like what I've seen out of him. So, for me, there's very encouraging signs for NC State. We know Alexi's going to right the ship. He's going to win his matches. For Georgia, hey, they were in a tight battle, and they pulled this out, man. Billy Rose, a guy, if you're going to tell me at the end of a dual match, number six singles, I've got Billy Rowe against Robert Terzak. I love Billy Rowe in that matchup. I would take him every time. And, of course, he got the job done in a super close three-set match. So, I think both teams can feel fairly encouraged. Georgia, obviously, they got the result. They got the win. They can move on. But NC State, they were on the road, tough environment. There's still some positives for them. I liked it. Chris? Yeah, I mean, first of all, great match. I had several tweets about how, how good that match was, especially that last, last match on between uh, Terzak and Rowe. Uh, you know, and I, I the, the good thing about getting to do what we do, Alex, is – we talk to these guys a lot and we talk to them afterwards, right? And I talked to both Coach Spencer and I talked to Billy 
and you know listening to them talk, talk about the match it's just it's it's a it's a good story to listen to and and my thoughts first were a i'm the i don't feel bad saying this because i'm the sec homer so clearly my allegiances are on the georgia side and i even said to you guys before the match whatever i'll give you doubles and i'll give you one we're still going to win the match we as in georgia right we're going to win the match we're going to take four out of the other five singles matches and win well it's a good thing we didn't give you one uh or it would have been four three the other way and and the and what's unfortunate you know fortunate for for georgia unfortunate there was lexi didn't play like three days leading in and was sick so that that was not good for him i'm sure had, had some bearing but you can't take anything away from trent bride he did what he had to do and he won the match but that row terzak match was just unbelievable we watched that for you know i picked it up at the end of the first set because it was everything else was winding down and it came down to that was coming down to that match and you know Billy kind of played really well the first set, got really defensive and complacent after that. Terzak started using the forehand, took him down. And then, yeah, just a super tight, you know, five-all third set on the, when the match is on the line. You know, you couldn't ask for, for anything more out of that. And, uh, and, yeah, I thought I really thought Georgia was, you know, they were in trouble when Billy was getting very defensive. Terzak looked like he was going to take it to him and put it away. But, you know, Billy found a way. My, I'm, I'm with Maddie. I was very encouraged for NC State by that because that's now on the road, not at home um, for them. And, and they played them well. I'm encouraged for Georgia, but I'm also slightly concerned at the bottom of the lineup. What, you know, the, the result from Anselmo, not great. Didn't even think I was going to see him there. I wouldn't be surprised if we were seeing like Billy and Eric Gravilius, uh, and they'll pro I'm sure what we're going to see is a rotation at least between those three guys for those final two spots at, uh, you know, over parts of the season here as we get closer to SEC play to see who the five and six are really going to be and in what order. But, but still, all in all, I mean, a, a good match for both squads. Yeah, I think for me, and obviously kickoff weekend was a little bit different, Chris, because we were so actively a part of the coverage, right? We were living through the matches. We were trying to stay alive through 12 straight hours of broadcasting. But this match, watching it at home, was the first one in my head where I was like, oh, okay, college tennis season really has started. And, you know, I say this lovingly. I'm not going to call out names. There were generous calls on both sides. There were some particularly bad ones. I will say, because it was an overrule, I disagreed with. There was a call in the six singles match. I think it was maybe the 6-5 game, maybe the 5-4 five, five, game. 5-all, five 40-30. 5-all, but it was 40-love, if memory serves me correctly. And then NC State wins two straight points on that 40-30 point. The NC State player calls a ball long, is overruled. Now we're watching a third-party camera streamed seven states away. Ball looked out to me. Like, I hate to say it, but the ball looked out. And there are calls you can see on the camera where the balls do not look out. And you can just tell sometimes, you're like, okay, that one was a little bit closer. To me, that wasn't a close one. To me, what looked like what happened is because the NC State player was playing with the Georgia players next to him, the Georgia players erupted in anger. And I think the line judge let that get to their head. 
And that was a little bit disappointing. Of course, that one incident does not spoil the rest of what was an incredible match. And that's the takeaway, again, why it felt like such a college tennis match is you're like, ooh, you got a line judge instigating here. It's a lot of pressure on them. Where are the other line judges? Why aren't they on the lines for the last match? And we'll talk about that a little bit more a little bit later as well. But, like, this was a tasty one, folks. It was absolutely tasty. To your point, Maddie, you talked about Trent Bride being really good. I think that's about as perfect of a description as you can find. Trent Bride isn't great at anything, but he's really freaking good at everything. And so I agree with you, Maddie. Like, I was a big—I mean, he closes the net really, really well, too, but— I was just the depth of Georgia for this young team. A lot to be excited about. You have your finger up, though, Maddie. What did I say wrong? Let me tell you one thing that Trent Bride is great at. And it's not going to be what you're thinking I'm going to say here. He's great at playing defense. Yeah. Really, he is a fantastic defender. I mean, you can be pushing him all over the court. His ability to get in and out of the corners, dig balls back with his his backhand looks kind of funky sometimes, like he doesn't even follow through on it. I mean, he is able to play some fantastic defense. He is great at that. Yeah, I, that is fair. His movement is superb. It's sublime. Um, and I do think he goes from defense to offense really well also, but... You know, I think we were right about this Georgia team. Fringes, they're in the Texas tier. They're a year or two away. They're still really, really talented, but they're not quite where they're going to be when this core of Georgia reaches its peak. And they still have some lineup questions, as Chris was referring to as well. But again, this was a really, really fun 4-3 battle. Another phenomenal 4-3 battle. A team that just cannot escape drama here early in the season, fellas. Wake Forest goes the distance in Winston-Salem with South Carolina. They end up escaping in that match, I believe, by a similar 4-3 scoreline. And in fact, you look for the Deeks in this one. They end up, of course, as they have so frequently uh, over the past few seasons, drop the doubles points. Squire and Maciag losing to Rodriguez Thompson at one. Ambrosi Nava dropping a decision to Samuel and Beasley at two. They do end up coming back, though, and get uh, a 7-6-7-6 win from Squire at 1. They get a 3-set win from Nava at 2. Kungu, quick win for them, 2-2 two and two at the number 6 position. And then it was Maciag providing point number 4. He wins 3-6-6-3-6-4. Matty, I th- hate to say it, another thing we were wrong probably about this team, or at least until it seems like they're going to—if they're ever going to have a full lineup again— but it's just, I, I hate to say it, this, we thought this Wake Forest team was competing for a national championship. Even if they have everyone available, I don't know if a national championship's in the cards for the Deeks this season. Yeah, it, it wouldn't appear so. I mean, I, I think that conversation may be over, guys. Um, obviously, without Barbotzer, that just, that in and of itself right there is kind of a killer but we got to remember one thing here as well. It's a 4-3 result for Wake, but South Carolina didn't have Lambling, their number two player, who's a, a really sneaky good player. I mean, this guy can play at a high level. He wasn't even there. He didn't play. I mean, he may have been there. He didn't play. I don't know. But, um, yeah, again, just another one that they squeak out, guys. They lose the doubles point. I have a feeling that that's going to be the norm this year. I don't, I don't really see 
where they're going to get doubles points. I mean, Gruskin, you mentioned it. We didn't see Squire and Nava play together. That's the team that we thought for sure would be their number one doubles team. They're not even paired together. So I don't see them really winning a whole lot of dubs points. And then you go to singles and it's like, okay, it's just kind of a hodgepodge. I mean, Squire's really going to need to step up. He did beat Daniel Rodriguez. Good match there. But I mean, then again, you have Sid Banthia playing three. I mean, I don't like that. I like him at six. I like him down low, but I don't like him playing in the top half of the lineup. I just, I don't think that's going to work out very well. So yeah, I mean, Robert Macier, guy who came from Duke. I mean, I know a little bit about him. Don't love it there. It's just, I don't know, guys. This this Wake team just definitely has a lot of questions at this point, and I'm, I'm not feeling it for him right now. I need to see something change. Let me tell you what I was feeling, Matty. Sid Banthia, match point. He, he, ended, he was up a break for the entirety of his second set uh, against Toby Samuel. And by the way, credit where credit's due. Hey, great shot to Chris. We were talking about this match beforehand, and I was like, who did Banthia lose to? And he goes, what did he play? And I said, I think he played three. And he goes, then it was probably Toby Samuel. And it is Toby Samuel. That's why he's our SEC correspondent. But Banthia, up a break for the majority of the of the set. Up 40 love, I think, in the 5-6 game. Ends up going to a deuce point. Samuel drops the this lob over his head and as his finger goes up in the air to call it out you could just see on Banthia's face he's like that ball was in I'm gonna get overruled but I gotta do it just in case and he calls the ball out and the chair umpire's just like I swear I, I I'm again I couldn't hear it through the camera but I'm pretty sure the chair umpire goes Sid and he's like yeah yeah I know and so the match was over and it was three uh, two and five Samuel gets the W but Chris Again, from the South Carolina side, they play this Wake Forest team really, really close. Again, on the Wake Forest side, still so many questions remaining. At least we did get our first look at Squire, and let me tell you, can that boy hit the cover off of a tennis ball? But your thoughts on the Deeks, your thoughts on, of course, the Gamecocks as well. Yeah, for Wake Forest, I mean, a lot of trouble if we don't get to see, you know, a Taha body at some point don't know why he's still not playing you know get Melios back into shape or form or whatever it is because he's played just not well so I you know can't even fault Tony for not playing I mean I'm sure he didn't deserve to play this weekend the way he played kickoff weekend uh he, I, he wasn't one of the best six guys at the moment so um you know they've got to get those guys back in the lineup and then Tachi the freshman I don't you know what's what's going on there is he just not ready not as good as they thought he was going to be don't know but I think they need all three of those guys in this lineup to push like we said down if we take everything that was there from three down and push it down three spots it starts to look much much better I'm fine with Squire Nava Melios Moroni Tachi body okay I'm I'm happy with that lineup but you know, when we're when we're playing the rest of the guys that were, um, you know, I, I'd rather see, like I said, like Maddie said, Banthia six, fine. Maciag, probably the seventh or eighth guy. But um, when you're relying on at four or five, you're 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 in trouble. So it's you know, I think until like you said, until we see a lineup and don't know the reasons that some of the guys haven't haven't played yet, we know Botzer's obviously not playing. So until we see those other guys, it's a uh, it's going to be rough, and it's and we're going to find out real quick uh, if anybody's coming out soon because they're they got a match with Virginia this weekend. Uh, no. yeah. So that, that's a good one to watch for and see if you know how they come out and if we have any more folks in the lineup that, than we have had. But 
from the South Carolina side, man, they, they've got to be bummed to, to drop a 4-3 match to Wake like that uh, and then not have Raphael Lambling. At the same time, they got to go, okay, well, we didn't have Lambling, but, you know, they didn't have body. They didn't <laughs> they, they didn't have Melios. But, but yeah, they had, they had their lineup. That's probably a different result. Uh, so kind of a bummer for them, but it's encouraging. They got to see – I mean, they are going to be – the weakness in that South Carolina lineup is going to be like the five, six spots. So you're going to find weakness down low. And when you pull your number two guy and have to slide them both up and play another guy in there, uh, you know, that's tough. And so to get those guys, that experience, that'll help them in the long run. But yeah, obviously not the result they wanted to see. Mm -hmm. No, all of these things, fair points. I, yeah, I mean, Tony Bruschi gets creative, right? He'll find solutions there. Wake Forest is still going to be right there at the end of the season. They're going to be a completely different team in May than they are right now. But still looking for solutions, certainly. Again, that's a match at home indoors. That's a match you think they take care of business pretty easily on, but uh, usually pretty easily. But no, again, I, I, I can't wait to hear. I think all of you listeners are going to hear, enjoy hearing our latest edition of the Cracked Rackets Top 10 poll because I imagine none of us will have Wake Forest in it. And, of course, they were our preseason number two team. So always funny uh, when we get something so blatantly wrong. Can't wait for Brett Macy to point that out repeatedly as we enter the 2022 season. Uh, with that in mind, I want to just quickly run through some of the other results we saw around the country, and then I'll go to each of you one last time to add in your final thoughts before we get to our new Cracked Rackets top 10 poll. Uh, let's start with the Tar Heels in North Carolina. They won 4-0 at the time of clinch, but it ended up being a 4-3 decision. The Heels dropping number one doubles, but getting a win at number two from Sondergaard and Kiger, and then number three, Peck and Seguin, 7-6 victory for them there. They also get victories at uh, the number one position from Blumberg, number three position from Brian Cernock, and then in the end, Simon Sondergaard clinching with a 6-1-6-4 victory at number five. But for the Heels, they're still struggling at the bottom of the lineup. Zap loses a three-set match. It was a third-set breaker, so you can kind of throw that out. But, you know, again, you think Virginia Tech at home, that's a match North Carolina should probably be winning 7-0. Uh, Pack ends up retiring in his second set. Seguin drops a third-set breaker. So, again, that felt notable. Also had University of Florida playing once again. Change in their lineup. You see uh, Bicknell up to five. Shelton to six. You also uh, see the game. Gators taking the doubles point and then getting wins at two, three, five, and six to get the victory in that match. Of course, uh, your other upsets on the weekend, University of Memphis, 4-3 over the University of Mississippi. I'm sure Chris will have thoughts on that one, so I'll leave that for him. Also, SMU, 4-3 victory over the University of Oklahoma. Of course, a little bit of controversy at the end of that match as you had a spicy line call that, of course, did have a line judge right on the line, but we can discuss its merits, I suppose, in a moment as well. I will save my 4-3 result of the week for after I hear your takes, but let's start with you, Maddie. Your thoughts, again, on the rest of the weekend's action. Yeah, you know, I'm guys, I'm not too worried about North Carolina yet. We haven't seen Rinky Hijikata. Um, so that's obviously a, a very important piece of their lineup that we haven't seen yet. And he'll push some guys down. Um, I know the, the result looked close 4-3, but 
let's just I think they'll be fine uh, we'll see when they get to indoors the upsets were definitely interesting you mentioned Memphis over Ole Miss kind of interesting there SMU over Oklahoma I mean you know these are close tight results that come down to one match three setters I mean it can go either way um you know if you're if you're the favorite right if you're Oklahoma you just you can't let it get to that point where it comes down to that court one match against SMU if you're all miss you really just don't want to let it come down I believe it was court number four uh was the final match there and you just you can't let it get to that point because all of a sudden all eyes are on you, right? Everybody's watching. The teams are out on the courts. Everybody's watching. I mean, it's just, it's a different type of environment. Yeah. That's where upsets are going to happen. So, you know, we're going to see more of these throughout the season, but uh, credit to those schools, man, SMU Memphis, they roll in and, you know, take out some, uh, you know, fairly top programs. That was fun to see. No, absolutely. Chris, your thoughts. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm not worried about North Carolina. That like like Maddie said, they'll they'll take care of their business. Uh, I think for me, a lot of a lot of the more fun action the rest of the weekend was in some of those uh, other matches, if you will, that were outside and kind of some of the ones that uh, that we don't maybe get to get to talk about a lot. You mentioned the Memphis match. You mentioned the LSU match. Um, I have to so. I, I'll go back to kind of our our non-power five schools that I that I'm gonna to want to talk about some every week. First D1 win for Bellerman this week over Southern Indiana. So hats off oh, to, wait. Uh, to the quickly to- before you get too deep into this. You're right. I screwed up. We didn't introduce Chris's corner. Westoff, give me that Chris's corner sound effect. Chris, take the floor. All right, yeah. So as I said, the the, the, the Bellarmine Knights, their first D1 win. They just became D1 this year. It doesn't hurt that they're right here in Louisville, and I might actually get to see them if we're ever allowed to have fans at tennis matches again. Uh, and, and they have a, an assistant coach from Mississippi State in the, in Noah Tippin. But, yeah, they go to Southern Indiana, get their first D1 win, so props to them. Uh, and then a couple of, of matches between some really interesting some, – some of the top uh, non-Power 5 schools this year – we had a 4-3 match between uh, UNF uh, this weekend, who I believe UNF, which is North North Florida, one of the last unbeatens last year. And if I'm not mistaken, Maddie, I believe it was your brother's team that went down and knocked them off uh, to give them their first loss last year. Uh, but but North Florida beats uh, Georgia Southern, another good school, 4-3. So that's a, a, a good match between two good non-Power 5 schools. Of course, I'd be remiss if I didn't mention the first win ever for Liberty over Old Dominion uh, <laughs> that got uh, uh, this weekend. And then just because I'm inside your head, Gruskin, I'm going to say that you're, the, the match you're going to bring up, you're always going to bring up the four, three matches for the schools that, hey, this is your chance to shine. We're never going to hear from you again. Well, I'm going to bring up one more first, and it's not the one you're going to bring up. And okay. that is Ball State backs up that win over Notre Dame with a win over Cleveland State, who was a far better team on paper than Ball State. So another big upset for Ball State. So hats off to those guys in a 4-3 win. But I don't think that's it either for Gruskin. I'm going with the fact that you're going Alabama State. 4-3. Oh, 
You know, I was nervous you were going to get it right, and thankfully you did not. Oh, darn it. Uh, there were some other good But ones. a very good guess. And by the way, always down to give a shout-out to Ball State. But I'm going to go with the University of North Dakota. Ah. Knock off Youngstown State 4-3 this weekend. You always like a clean split. North Dakota taking the doubles at the bottom of the lineup. Youngstown State wins at the number one, two, and three singles position, of course. In the end, North Dakota straight set wins at five and four. And then Sheehan McDowell, 6-4, I'm imagining there were some fun calls as well in his victory over David Alvarez Moreno. So shout out to you, Sheehan McDonald. Uh, pour, uh, you know, pour one out for you, or we are celebrating you here at Cracked Rackets. You guys are my 4-3 winners of the week. Uh, but with that in mind, one last thing to do here on this podcast, the moment some of you have been waiting for, many of you maybe even stuck around for, and that's the release of our Crack t- Rackets Top 10 poll. Now, again, I've been playing with mine throughout the course of this podcast. I imagine both of you have as well. I see Maddie's got his on pen and paper. Maybe it was pencil, so he can still erase. We'll see. Uh, he can let us know. Oh, it is a pencil. He lets us know, so there will be some erasing. Chris, of course, doesn't do pen. He doesn't do pencil. He does Excel sheets, folks. So the numbers have been crunched. And I make it up as I go. So we'll see what I end up saying for my top 10, I suppose. No, I'm just kidding. Don't worry. I prepared. I have my top 10 list. I think it's easiest, gentlemen, if we start at the top and work our way down. So with that in mind, Westoff, give me that top 10 sound effect and let's get into it. All right, gentlemen, we'll go Matt, then Chris, then myself, and we'll change the order like we did in the first one, right? We'll keep alternating so it's not the same person going first every time. I'll go first with the first one, since it's the easiest, and I like to cheat. I still have UNC at number one. To your guys' point, we haven't seen Rinky yet. And yeah, they haven't looked great at the bottom of the lineup, but everything we thought about them going into the season has been confirmed. They've got Will. They've got uh, Cernok seems to have taken a jump this season. Of course, Ben Seguin, Kiger, Sondergaard, Zap, Rinky, all still waiting to find their form. I still have them number one. Matty, you agree? I do. I do agree. I have not moved North Carolina from the number one position. They were our preseason number one on our rankings. And I mean, at this point, I, I have no reason to uh, to change that pick. So North Carolina remains at number one for me. Chris? Yeah, ditto. Has, I, I can't, haven't lost, still no rinky. Can't, can't move them out of the one spot. Yep, I'm sorry, Coach Macy. Please send all inquiries to Chris. Um, but all right, number two. Maddie, I'll let you go first. Who do you have in that two spot? All right. Well, Coach Macy, I have USC in the number two spot. We had them, what do we have them? Preseason number five on our mm-hmm. rankings, I believe. Um, I have them up to two right now. I, I mean, I just, I, I don't. I don't have a reason not to really have them there. They got through the kickoff weekend. I would still like to see them play, you know, a few more matches just to really solidify that top two spot. But as of right now, um, I, I'm i not comfortable removing them from, from number two. So I've got them at, at number two. If I didn't like UNC so much, they would be my number one team. Uh, Spoiler, I apologize here. I have USC at number two as well. I imagine you do as well, Chris, because it's hard hard to pick anyone else at this point. Well, I had USC there to start with. I mean, it took you guys getting Wake, Baylor, and Ohio State to lose to (laughs) to bump them up three spots. You're right. 
so yeah so yeah we all I, I think we agree that we're all we're all there we're all there with usc at two good there's balance in the world well now things get funky Chris, your number three team. I think you and I are going to agree here. I think we're all three going to agree. There's no way I can only make a case for two teams, and Stanford hasn't played a match yet, so it's TCU. I think he said it perfectly. That is my number three team, Matty. It is. It is my right. number three team as well. That win over Baylor on the road put him up there for me. Unanimity, unanimity in the top three, a rare thing here at Cracked Rackets. All right, number four. It's my turn to go first. Still going to stay a little spicy. You can't tell me Baylor wasn't right there in that match. And you just look at what they've accomplished. They beat Michigan. They beat Texas on the road. The next day, they were right there with TCU. Two points go differently. They end up winning that match 4-3. I'm not going to disqualify them for playing tennis matches. And it wasn't a bad loss. TCU played really, really well. They were our number six team heading into the season. So I don't feel any differently about Baylor than I did heading into the season. Uh, they're my number four team. Maddie, you're shaking your head. I think you agree. I do. I do. Yeah, I've got them at number four right now. I mean, I can't, I can't really penalize them too much for that loss to TCU, right? We have them at number three. TCU's our number three team. So a loss to them isn't killer. I still really like Baylor. Yeah, I think they're number four, no doubt. Good call. Well, then, Chris, your number four team? Yeah, this is getting pretty boring. Uh, so <laughs> so I also have Baylor at number oh, four. And as I and mentioned we're gonna before— we're going to agree on 5-2. Yeah, the, the only other team that I said you probably could have made a case for was Stanford. And I'll say this. A, Stanford hasn't played a match yet. And B, I have realized, Gruskin, that I get really high on teams that have really good recruiting classes and freshmen coming in. Oh, mm-hmm. or just have something going for him. And I'm always a year early, right? Two years ago, I was all over USC and you guys made fun of me. I was a year early and last year, USC wins indoors. Last year, I was all over TCU. You guys made fun of me. Now TCU's on fire. This year, I was all about Stanford. Okay, I'm probably a year early, <laughs> you know? Yeah, that's a really good point, Chris. And I'm sad I didn't steal it from you. You are a year early uh, with many of the things that you do. But I suppose, you know, you were in on GameStop from the get-go. You were ready last year for the big GameStop purge. So not surprised that you're ready, I suppose, to be all in on Stanford a year early. Speaking of the Cardinal, I feel like we probably all have them at number five, correct, right? We're not going to penalize them for the fact that they didn't have a season yet, or at least I'm not going to penalize them. Chris, who is your number five team? I do have Stanford at number five. That's the problem. We spend too much time together. Maddie, you look like you have something different. Are we about to diverge for the first time? We certainly are. I do not have Stanford at number five because they haven't played yet. You know, I, I don't want to say that I'm penalizing them, but it's just I, I can't penalize other teams for actually playing matches and, and me being able to see them. So I have Texas A&M at number five interesting you go with Texas A&M because, of course, Texas A&M, who I don't want to punish for not getting to play Baylor already, I have as number six. They are right there on the outside for me, and obviously if they beat Baylor here this weekend, they'll get the chance to move up, but I get why you say that about them. Again, they looked fine. They haven't done anything for us to punish our thoughts about them heading into the season. I think we had them preseason number seven. Chris, who is your number? uh, We obviously have our number five. Who is your number six team? Texas A&M. Oh, we are the same through the tops. I'm terrified here. Chris, if all 10 of ours are the same, then 
one of us probably has to leave the show moving forward. We'll we'll discuss. You know, again, I, I'm fine. I'm fine <laughs> if it's me, but it's we'll have not to gonna. Ha- there's no way it is unless you've done the zag because you know I'm in your head and you've gone back to normal. Dude, you're not in my head. Let's go play right now. Oh no, <laughs> um, <laughs> you only have one shoulder, so I better win. Oh no. Um, all right, Maddie, you're number sixteen. All right, boys. <clears throat> Let me clear my throat here. This is where um, things get really spicy. Towards the back half, throw a dart at the board. Number six. And I'm kind of questioning this as I say this, but I wrote it down. I'm not going to diverge for what I what I have on the piece of paper if here. If he says Virginia, he's off the show. No, 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 no. I have Texas at number six. No, okay? don't, don't blush. I have them number seven, Maddie. So I, I think... And we underrated them. Look, they beat Florida. They're going to national indoors. They played Baylor well. They came back the next day and beat ASU. I I do like this Texas team. Now, I'm not saying that they're going to stay there all year. Who knows? We get, you know, another week or two from now, and this could all be changed. But right now, I've got Texas, the Texas Longhorns, as my number six team. Yeah, they're not my number seven for all the reasons you stated. This doesn't mean they're going to end number seven. Right now I have teams like Ohio State ranked below them who I think are going to get back above them. And, you know, again, there are all these teams out there who are really, really talented as well and even a little bit more experienced who maybe just haven't played their best yet. But Based on what they've done so far. They've got talent. They've got so much talent. They've got a bunch of recipes to to four points in each match as well, and I really like that. And they've gotten the results. Wow. Yeah, absolutely. Why, Chris, are we seven up, seven down? Do you also have Texas? No, spoiler alert. I don't even have Texas in the top ten. Oh, now we're talking. Now we're talking. Okay, good. Now the fun. I hope you all skip through the first hour of the show. I have them at, I have Texas at number 11. (laughs) So then who's your number 17? Man. Yeah, that's harsh. That is harsh. I yeah well I dropped I Michigan out of my top State, ten for so. them. Number seven for you, Chris. Ohio State. Okay, I get to them later. I don't want to spoil it yet. Make the case for the Buckeyes here. I mean, yeah, they lost. They, they lost the match to Virginia. Obviously, uh, they've been around a long time. Virtually the same team. It's you know. One one loss. I'm not going to drop them from wherever you know where we had them, wherever that was, three, four, all the way outside the top ten. I you know I I I still think that if you tell me today they're going to go play the teams that I've got below them indoors, other than the fact that Virginia beat them, and I'll take my chances if they play again. Um, I I still like Ohio State there, uh, so I, I got to leave them there. I just think that's a little high for Ohio State, and I was trying to be consistent. I wanted TCU above Baylor, Texas above Florida, A&M, you know, uh, not punished as well. And, you know, I have Virginia above Ohio State as well, so uh, I will get to where I have them exactly in my top 10. I believe we're playing catch-up now, so Chris is number 17, the Buckeyes. Uh, Matty, your number 17? The Stanford Cardinal. There we so, go. So you did keep them in your top 10. Absolutely, I kept them in the top 10. There's no question about it, but I'm not going to put them in the top five right now. I just, I without them playing, I don't think they're worthy of that spot. What did we have on preseason number eight? 
on our rankings, guys, like I believe. That. So, so hey, I got them at seven. I mean, they got to be happy with that. <laughs> I'll text Coach Goldstein and ask if he's happy with it or not after the they show. They haven't played. No, I agree with you. I agree with you, Maddie. I, that's a, it's a totally fair point. So now we're on number eight. And this is where things, again, throw it at a dartboard. They're all pretty similar at this point. My number eight team, again, in the spirit of intellectual consistency from me, a rare breed here at Cracked Rackets, I'm going to go number eight, Virginia, and number nine, Ohio State, because the Virginia team is real, folks. I mean, you don't just go into Columbus on a fluke and beat them. And I know there were extenuating circumstances for the Buckeyes, but... I just love this Virginia team. The talent they have, they're young, they're going to continue to get better, and they make sense to me both indoors and outside. I think they're a legitimate top 10 quality team. They have the win of the season right now. Well, probably the second best win of the season. You probably argue TCU going to Baylor and winning is number one, and then Virginia going to Ohio State winning number two. But I wanted to reward that, and obviously my who's roots run deep. Give me Virginia number eight. Ohio State number nine. So I did fit the Buckeyes in, Chris, here. Give me your eight, nine positions. My eight, nine are eight, Tennessee, okay. and nine, Virginia. So Virginia did crack your top 10. Yeah. What's the case for Tennessee above them? Feel? Yeah, I mean, I, well, to me, it's experience. I look at those lineups. Yeah. They're both, they, they both are good. Tennessee's deeper. Um, I can't, I just, until I see more, it's the same reason I don't really have Virginia above Ohio State yet. I think it was one good win. Beating Wake, if it's a full Wake team, will go a long way for me. But I just, I need to see more out of the freshman than one match to go from, you know, preseason number 20 into top seven right away. I yeah. mean, that, that's all. No, it's fair. No doubt that they may not be there, but off of one match, I'm not putting them there yet. Tennessee, uh, has has shown me more in going and winning, beating Old Miss, beating NC State at NC State, turning around and blanking Notre Dame, who, you know, Kentucky just did that too, maybe not quite as impressive. Uh, but, uh, but I've seen more from them yet than I've seen from just the one win out of Virginia. No, it's fair. And look, Tennessee, to the one coach in our preseason coaches poll who voted them sixth, it was the only vote they got it. They got it. It was the only vote they got. Hey, great shot. And they're closer to sixth than where I had them to start the season. And, you know, I'm no spoiler alert, but they were very much in the consideration for my top 10 list. So I don't think it's a, it's crazy to have them at the number eight position. I don't think it's crazy to have Virginia at number nine. Maddie, how does the back end of your top 10 rankings look? Yeah, so I've got Ohio State at number eight. Okay. And Virginia at number nine. So I'm kind of with Chris on the fact that, hey, one win. I, I don't – look, Virginia is coming in here all the way from well outside the top ten, right? Like I think number nine is a fair position for them right now. I didn't want to move Ohio State outside of the top eight. I have them at number eight. They did lose that match at home, but I, stink, I still think they're they're worthy of that position um, a lot of people might argue with that, Gruskin. You yourself have Virginia ahead of Ohio State, so I know you will disagree with me there, but I just, I don't know. That's how I see it right now. Give me Ohio State 8, Virginia 9. 
um, right right at this moment. That could change, of course. Well, we don't do ties. If you wanted to have them tied, that'd be fine with me as well. I, I the, Again, Virginia is eight for me. Ohio State's nine. You're switching one spot. And for yeah. me, it's just, yeah, Virginia won. They get to be eight. Ohio State lost. They get to be nine this week. But yeah, I agree with you. Long term this season, I think Ohio State much more likely to work their way back towards the top five than the young Cavalier team. I'll go first with number 10 because this team's already been mentioned, and so it's not as fun to rehash a team. My 10 team, and it pained me to say, right, I I kind of liked the way UCLA looked on kickoff weekend without all of their guys, and obviously I'm still a believer in Wake Forest. My history with the University of Florida, I've spent half of the preseason ranting about how their championship window might have closed on them. NC State, so good, and obviously if I'm considering NC State, Georgia's got to be one above them, and I still think Michigan looked really good in their loss to Baylor, right? Similar to Texas in the way they lost to Baylor, and do I want to punish Michigan because they were only allowed to play one match no not really but Tennessee's got to be in your top 10 and so they're my number 10 team they were they went to NC State they clinched a spot in the final eight of the national indoors they followed it up with another win this weekend yeah I I, I just they by resume deserve to be in the top 10 and I wasn't quite except you know the win at NC State isn't as thrilling as say Virginia's win in Columbus but it's still really really freaking good the best win left on the board that's why I have Tennessee as my number 10 team to end the week here Maddie I'll go to you next yeah um I don't I have Georgia (laughs) as my number 10 team and I, I really, I would have had Tennessee, but it was the win over NC State just in that fashion. The way that they won that match last weekend, I just really enjoyed that match. And so for me, what do we have? Georgia preseason number 11 on yeah. our list. And I, I kind of have them move away. You know, Wake Forest is now out of there and I kind of bumped Georgia up to 10. If I had another spot here, Tennessee would be right behind them at number 11 in my rankings. So um, tough call there, but for me, Right now, I'm going to lean Georgia at my number 10 spot. It's a fair pick. Again, they're, I think, number 12 for me right now. I have Michigan 11, Georgia 12, NC State 13, Florida 14. Um, Chris, your number 10 spot? My number 10 spot is also Georgia. So for me, it was down to Georgia and Texas. And for the same argument you had, Gruskin, I had to have Texas in front of Florida. So that, that they're obviously pushed down a spot. But um, yeah, I, I still, I don't know. I just, I, I think I was shaken a little more with that performance against Arizona state. I'm not a hundred percent. Yes, they're good. I still think Georgia's good. I think they both have, you know, issues in a couple spots. So to me, they're, they're right there together. Uh, and, and I'll, I'll lean Georgia for now. Yeah. Again, it's on the margins here right now. Chris, I believe you have the tab- tabulations, though, of our top 10 teams. So if you can, give us our Cracked Rackets top 10 after so the, the first month of is, play. On our ties, what was our rule? The team that was higher in the polls between the three? We didn't Amongst make the three, rules. whoever was higher in two of them is the one that wins that tie? We don't make rules. Chris, whatever you want to go with, I trust your judgment. <laughs> oh, we're in trouble. All right. So... <laughs> So we've got, well, clearly we all stood together on one through four. So one through four, North Carolina, USC, TCU, Baylor. Number five, Stanford. Number six, A&M. 
Number seven, Ohio State. I take that back. Seven, Texas. Eight, Ohio State. Nine, Virginia. And ten, Tennessee. So as always, who gets his wish? It's me, of course. My ten teams ending up in the top ten. Sorry, gentlemen. I uh... Yeah, Georgia got this. Yeah. It's just because you leave them out and we only put them at 10. We got to learn the game, Maddie. We got to move them up higher to get them in. <laughs> yeah, that's why I put Texas at 7. It's the, Michi- like, the, it's the Michigan game. How do you Look, I don't hole? like to brag, but uh, I didn't have to take calculus in college because I tested out of it with my AP <laughs> scores. Anyways, um, who needs Excel? Yeah, Maddie, give me that. It, but that, it deserved a middle finger, not a, not just a hand wave, that sort of comment. Nevertheless, again, uh, that is our Cracked Rackets top 10. That feels about right. Again, uh, those 10 teams, Georgia on the margins, a few other schools going to continue to be on the outside looking in as well. And more importantly, what is the thing we learned through the first few weekends of the college tennis season? Parody is going to be the name of the game. There are going to be close matches. There are going to be funky results. And it's going to be uh, a season that all of us, of course, can enjoy. So with that in mind, before I get to the final plugs, I'll start with you, Maddie, and then go to Chris. Any final thoughts? Yeah, I mean, like I said at the beginning, guys, I'm I'm already ready for the weekend. Uh, we got a big match, Baylor and Texas A&M, for a spot at National Indoors. So this is the one we've been waiting for. Um, luckily, they did reschedule it. They'll be playing at SMU, and I, I think we'll all be tuned into that one uh, since we didn't get to see it a couple weeks ago. Chris? My final thoughts, Alex, were, A, I'm super excited we're going. B, looking forward to the weekend. I'm loving all of the uh, the folks that are listening. And so I have to say, even though uh, I don't think we're probably putting the video out for this, I am completely donned, much to the chagrin of my Mississippi State boys, in Tennessee volunteer gear right now. Shout out to them for hooking us up. And and the fact that we have we make no shame in the fact that we love college gear, Alex. And anybody that wants to provide us with your stuff, we will gladly don it, take pictures, and put them on Twitter, and you're going to see it. And 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 we love all of the schools. So please, send it our way. Yeah, I don't want to say my address publicly on the podcast because I don't want Chris to know it. But, um, yeah, I – no, I – just kidding. Uh, yeah, I uh, I thoroughly agree. And by the way, three sets of gear because it's a college tennis holy trinity. Uh, so obviously, Maddie, we got to get you in the mix as well. No, come on. Don't give me that sort of – you're telling me, Maddie – I'm trying to think of what the most reprehensible Coach Woodson, Coach Woodson can send me gear. <laughs> I, I'm fine with that. I'm not rocking any other gear. Hell no. Oh, we'll see if we Sick can up. get you to change. <laughs> I love it. Well, then, with that in mind, of course, if you have missed any of our coverage of anything college tennis related, you can find it all on our website, CrackRackets.com. Of course, again, our team will be live in Stillwater this weekend for the Women's D1 National Indoors. I believe I will be in Champaign for the men's national indoors the following weekend as well. And, of course, Colette Lewis joining me tomorrow. You guys will join me next week to preview that event. Plenty of fun college tennis content coming on the horizon here at Cracked Rackets. Of course, a shout-out, as always, to our super producer, Daniel Westoff, for the 
of an any job he does day in, day out. There was a big technical glitch in the middle of this podcast. None of you listeners going to know about that because he does the best work in the business day in, day out, making all of our content possible. Of course, a shout out to our friends at DraftKings as well to learn more about all of the action and to take advantage of it all. Just go to dkng.co.com. Uh, slash cracked open and listen to our crack rackets aces of the day uh, of course with that in mind for our wonderful co-hosts matt sekoyak chris Hallioris, our super producers max leader and daniel westoff our friends at DraftKings, and all of us here at both cracked rackets and the tennis channel podcast network i'm your host alex gruskin gentlemen what do we tell our listeners hey hey great, great shot. shot and we will see you all next time thanks everyone